Proverbs 11, verse 30. It's just one key verse. I'm going to be speaking about lots of other verses that are related to it. But this is the verse. It says this in my translation here. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. And there's another couple of versions I wanted to read out. It says this in the contemporary English. Live right, and you will eat from the life-giving tree. If you act wisely, others will follow. And the common English is this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the wise gather lives. Okay. I just think it's helpful to hear a variety sometimes. I'm going to look at three points this morning to try and get the idea of this, uh, what's being taught here in this kind of idea of how we live to make a difference. And the first thing is choose wisely. The second thing is grow strong. And the third thing is bearing fruit. So choose wisely, grow strong, and bearing fruit. So first of all, choose wisely. And really that is the heart of all of these talks that we've been having. Uh, And you remember, I think I gave the first talk back in January, and there was a definition I gave to wisdom. And it was really important. I wondered if anybody could remember. It's about six, six, seven weeks ago. Good. Definition. Oh, there's a hand at the back. Jay, go. The thing, obviously, the wisdom, I talk about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the, the definition of wisdom is this. Wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. The ability to choose well, to choose wisely. And really, this verse here is all about choosing wisely for your life, choosing righteousness. You can choose to go God's way in this life. You have a choice in life. Um, But not everybody chooses this. I I was, uh, the context of Proverbs is you've got this father talking to a son. He's saying, make the most out of your life. I don't know if you've heard, there's a song by this guy called Avicii called The Knights. And it's all about a father talking to a son saying, make the most of your life. So I thought, "I, I will read that because that must be good. And this is what it says. One day my father told me, son, don't let it slip away. He took me in his arms, I heard him say, when you get older, your heart will live for younger days. Think of me if ever you're afraid. He said that one day, you know this one? Is it? If you're not down with the youth, I I apologize. He said, one day you leave this world behind, so live a life you will remember. My father told me when I was just a child, these are the nights that never die. Is that it? I mean, that's not great. I've got to be honest. If that's all the father told the son, these are the nights that never die. You can't live off that. It's no good. It's a catchy tune, but it doesn't work. Okay? The right of the Proverbs, so I I did that as a way of engaging. You seem to have lost me there. A way of engaging with the younger people. That was what it was. Thank you. Right. So the father is talking to the son throughout all these Proverbs, and he's saying, don't mess your life up. Don't mess your life up. Now choose righteousness, choose wisdom. See, those two words, wisdom and righteousness, are almost like parallel terms in the Bible. Uh, The wise life is the righteous life. The righteous life is the wise life. It's not those who know the most. We're not talking about intellectual wisdom. It's those who live the best. 
It's the right life, the righteous life is what's going for this. And you see it all the way through. So if you're just looking at chapter 11 there, and you just skim down, there's an amazing number of verses about righteousness. Okay, I just picked one earlier on, but there's loads about righteousness. So it says this, verse 5, the righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them. The righteousness of the upright, verse 6, delivers them. Verse 8, the righteous man is rescued from trouble. Through knowledge, the righteous escape. Verse 10, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Verse 19, the truly righteous man attains life. Verse 20, the delights of those whose ways, the Lord delights in those whose ways are blameless. Uh, it says, the righteous go free. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. And verse 28, the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Now that is just one chapter in Proverbs. But actually, all the way through, there's about 48 different verses that contrast righteousness and the other choice, which is going wickedness or rejecting God, going your own way. And so the, the underlying message throughout the book of Proverbs is choose righteousness. Choose the right path. And you can choose it. The, the Scripture is there to guide us. So all of those things are reinforcing choose the righteous path. Um, I'd looked in uh, Nell's study by one. It's, it's, it was really interesting. And it talks about the righteous have a different outlook on life. They have a different response to life. How people view you is different. How God views you is different. The quality of your life, both the short-term fruitfulness and the long-term fruitfulness, and ultimately your presence, you know, being with God in eternity. All of these things a result of righteousness. Who wouldn't want the righteousness of God? And I think the problem for some of us is that when we hear the word righteous, we think uh, almost like a pious, like an anemic, I was going to say, an anemic view of righteousness. So I was thinking about this, thinking, well, who was Solomon thinking about when he was writing this proverb? Who was he thinking about? He was thinking about his dad, his dad who'd spoken to him at the end of his life, saying, go with God. His dad was David. David was not an anemic, lifeless individual. David was a man's man, if you like, a real man of God. Now, he did have a very sad period of his life where he messed up, but there was something very dynamic about David, very full of life. People were attracted to him, said, yes, that's the what kind of life I want to live. So, um, you see it even when Saul is looking for somebody. Saul is looking uh, in, in, in Samuel and he's saying, well, who are we going to get to help in this situation? And he says, I have seen this guy, one of his helpers says, who knows how to play skillfully. He's a brave man, a warrior. He speaks well. And most importantly, the Lord is with him. So, when you look at Psalms, all of Psalms, a lot of it is written by David. He had, his heart was for God. It was a life lived towards God. Does that make sense? And that is the kind of life that Solomon's thinking of. He's not thinking about some sort of uh, anemic, pious, just towing the line, doing the right thing. No, a, there's a, a powerfulness to righteousness. And there's a, a proverb here I, I really liked I came across. It says this, Proverbs 10, 28. Um, no, it's not that one. Proverbs 28, verse 1. 
The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. This is not flimsy, just towing the line. This is a boldness, a confidence in God, a thriving. You notice that verse we read earlier about the righteous, like a green leaf which thrives. There's something, something positive and powerful about a righteous life that attracts others to it. So, uh, that is Christianity. See, so many people misunderstand Christianity. They think it is about rules, religion, about uh, going, you know, going to church. But they don't understand it. It's not about that. It's about connection with God. That's what it's about. It's about a vital connection with God that changes you and transforms how you are. So, a good example of this, it says in the New Testament, the kingdom of God is not about uh, rules and regulations, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's like a summary verse in the New Testament. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Who wouldn't want righteousness, peace, and joy to be like the theme of their life? The kingdom of God is like that. That's what we come into when we come into Christ. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy. We can know a peace from fears. We can know a joy even in suffering and challenges. God inside us, a vital connection. Does that make sense? So that's what we're talking about. Choose that way. Choose the way of God. Um, But the reality is we can't do it on our own. We can't live this righteous life in and of ourselves. It's not just about choosing. It's about receiving. It's about saying, God, I need you. So actually, the the sad truth of the Bible is that in Romans it says that there is no one righteous, not even one. Nobody is good enough or righteous enough to be received by God. And you think, what, no one? No, that's what it says. There's no one that's naturally righteous. It's not something you start out with life, oh, I'm, oh that's a righteous child. No, <laughs> children don't start out righteous. Sorry, children. Uh, and any, any daughter in the room, I don't want to embarrass you. But there is, we are, it's a bit like, I always like this description, it's a bit like a bowling ball. You know, green, not, I'm not, ten, not talking about ten pin, I'm talking about bowls. You know where you do the, perhaps you've never done it. You know, you do the, roll the ball and it goes down and, and then just at the end it veers off. And if you know what you're doing, you kind of make it veer off just at the right time. Well, the Bible says that we are like that. We have something in us that just goes off. We'd like to go straight. The word righteous, actually, the root meaning of the word in Hebrew is straightness. So we'd like to go straight, but there is a, 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 a curving away where we don't always go the straight path. There is a crookedness when it talks about righteousness or wickedness. Wickedness is crookedness. It's going not quite straight. So none of us can stand before God and say, I am righteous in and of myself. All of us need, we need Jesus. I thought it was very helpful, John last week, speaking when he was talking about the tongue. I was saying, actually, if we think about that, if we think about even just the words we have said, no one is righteous in that area. All of us have fallen short and said things we shouldn't have said. And that so we need a saviour, but actually that is the amazing 
good news of the Bible is there is a righteousness from God. There is a gift of righteousness. So you might be a pretty good person and the bowling ball almost makes it and then you go wrong. You might be a terribly wobbly person and you couldn't even get a few yards. You're so crooked and I can't do anything right. Well, God can straighten everybody out. That's the message of the Bible. There's no one that God can't straighten out. Everybody can be straightened out by God. You think about the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. He was a slave trader. And God straightened his life out. There is nobody who can't be straightened out by God. And it's true for me and it's true for you. God can change us. So this, you know, we all like modern stuff, but this is almost 3,000-year-old wisdom. It's saying that there is a, a choice in life, righteousness, wickedness. Choose righteousness. Choose the way of connection with God. Choose the way of having him as Lord of your life. Put him first. That's the wise thing to do. So choose wisely. And you do that by saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want to connect with you. I want you to be Lord. That's not just uh, something you do on a Sunday. It's every day. It's Jesus, come into my life. Be with me. Be the, the sap in my life. Change my heart. Make me like you. So that's the first thing. The second thing then is grow strong. And God, if you've noticed reading the Bible, is really into growth metaphors. So there's lots of things about plants, trees, seeds, stuff that grows. Um, And this verse here again, if we just look at it, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Okay, so what it's saying is this quality of life, this putting God first, will produce something like a tree, a tree of life. So God wants us to be fruitful trees, healthy, strong, stable, giving life to others. That's where it ultimately goes. And I've been thinking about this a lot, trees. You know, there's a, there's a word for study of trees. Anybody in the house? Study of trees. Dendrology. Peter says I'm right. Thank you. Uh, dendrology. Now, I, I didn't get too far into it, but basically, you know, you, you know, if you cut a tree down and you can see all the circles, trees are measured in growth year by year. Okay, they grow over a period of time. And this is really the, the heart of my message is God takes his time to grow us. Nobody becomes a tree straight away. Nobody. It's not like I become a Christian, boom, oh, there's, oh that's a big tree, oh, wow. Amazing. Trees take time to grow. So uh, my encouragement is to take a long-term view of your life. Say, I want to be a tree for God, but I'm going to look at the long term. Okay, so, so there are various verses here about how the righteous can't be uprooted, the righteous stands strong, the righteous endure. There's roots. It talks about the roots of the righteous. And we're going to be looking at that in a minute. But I just want to tell you what I see what I now see as quite a humorous story, uh, at the time it wasn't quite so funny. But um, I think I, as a young man, I was quite impatient for growth as a Christian. I wanted it all to happen really fast. So, you know, wind the clock back 20-something years ago. Uh, 
when I was uh, a student here, I'd, I wrote to one of the leaders and said, God has given me the ability to teach. <laughs> it's embarrassing when I think about that. And uh, I'd, I'd, I think I'd done one talk and it had gone particularly well. So I, it kind of gone to my head. And so I, you know, I am, you know, I am, I am the business. I think I, <laughs> so, you know, so I wrote this letter saying, you know, you know, give me a chance. I'm, I'm the guy. Um, and anyway, there was a trip to Romania that Pete Greaves, myself, now, Paul and uh, Flea were going on. And Paul was doing some of the talks, but he wanted someone else to do a talk. And so I said to Paul, you know, <laughs> I'm the guy. Uh, you know, in, in something like that. And they, they obviously had a leaders meeting. And in the leaders meeting, it must have gone like something like this. Paul said to Greg, Rob wants to do one of the talks. And Greg went, Really? <laughs> how do we know he's any good ah I don't know let's get him in so they decided to invite me in so we've got to imagine a much thinner me and I had hair so it's going back a long long time so this scrawny guy I go to see Greg and I, I go to him and say okay and he said well I want you to come in and do a, a trial preach just in, just in front of us so it was in front of Guy Miller, Paul Bromley, and Greg, just the three of them. And I think, so I said to Greg, okay. And he said, well, have you got any particular verse you'd like to speak on? I said, choose anything. <laughs> I'm not quite as arrogantly as that sounds, but it was. That, that was the, no, you choose, and I'll preach it, you know. Wow. And, uh, I mean, it, just, it does sound bad, doesn't it? Um, so anyway... We, uh, the, the passage Greg gave me to speak on is Psalm uh, 1. So I want you to just turn to Psalm 1 if you're there. Because to me, this is, uh, with hindsight, there's a lot of wisdom in why he chose this. I didn't even know what Psalm 1 was about. I just said, you know, hit me with it, Greg. Whatever. I'm there. And uh, Psalm 1 says this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. And uh, I struggled with that passage to make it uh, come alive and uh, in that 10-minute slot, and got some very interesting critique at the end. Uh, but with hindsight, I think I had a lot of growing to do. And uh, I still feel like I've got a lot of growing to do. Um, but there's something, isn't there? Growth takes time. You know, we need to learn things. We need to, our, our, sometimes our character needs to be shaped <laughs> and changed. Uh, but there's such a wisdom in looking at this, that, that verse, that psalm. Because what it says is that if you want to be fruitful in life, you need to have the roots going down deep. You need to be like a tree planted by streams of water. So that whatever happens in your life, good times and bad times, ups and downs, you've got a source of nutrients. Like a tree planted by a stream. So... You know, you, you may think you're great now, but you're just a little sapling. <laughs> you know, 
but you need to take strength from God. And that, that's been my heart attitude ever since, not just that, but is I want God. I want God in my life. And whatever happens, that's what I want coming through. Not, not human wisdom or uh, arrogance, but God's wisdom in our lives. So, so this, is, this is wisdom from God. Be like a tree. Grow like a tree. Get yourself soaking up God. Greg used to have this phrase, which was, our minds are like sponges. Be careful what's, what puddle we sit in. And it's, there's something in it. What are you soaking up into your minds? What are you feeding your minds on? Because out of your mind, out of your heart, comes the direction of your life. So if you're feeding it with garbage in, garbage out, it's like that. It says in the Bible that God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. If you sow to wickedness, you'll reap wickedness. If you sow to righteousness, you'll reap righteousness. That's effectively what it says. So my encouragement is this about this tree thing, is take a long-term view. So Steve was just mentioning that theology uh, course. I would say think about that. I did a, I've done two theology courses many years ago now, and it's just like getting good stuff into you so that you understand the Bible, you understand it's the whole thing in a more uh, helpful way, so you can, it soaks into you, you know what I mean? So that takes time, you, you can't study the Bible overnight, you could, it takes time to soak it up, so I would encourage you to consider that, but there's all kinds of things, and it's little by little, sometimes we get frustrated by small progress, but a tree, you know, just keeps on growing year after year after year, we've got a small tree that we planted in our front garden, I mean, you, it, it, it's barely a twig. But you give it five, ten years, and it'll be a solid, substantial tree. But it's, you know what I mean? That's the encouragement of the scripture here. And it's throughout, is about, about taking in the nutrients of God into your life. Uh, and there was just one um, verse that uh, I remember hearing a guy called Dave Colbrook say this verse once, and it's slightly out of context here, but uh, he said this, you're running a good race, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And I felt there may be some people here who were running a good race, but then something stopped you. It's like you had stunted growth. You were running for God, but then something cut in on you. And that verse is all about, where is that voice? What's that voice that you've heard that's knocked you back? Because that isn't God. That is not God's heart for you. God wants us to grow and continue to grow throughout our lives as believers. And it says this um, in Proverbs 24, verse 16. Though the righteous fall seven times, they get up again. So there is something about righteousness. Nobody lives completely perfectly, but... If you fall, you rise again. That's righteousness. It's the sap in you. I'm going to go again for God. There's something in you wanting you to run with God. So, so I hope that you've found that helpful about getting into good soil. So if you take the parable of the sower, it's the same thing. What is the parable of the sower about? There's, you know, the path, different things. Ultimately, it's saying be good soil. Be good soil. Be the hundredfold soil. What is that? It's receiving the seed into your heart, not letting the pressures of life 
stifle you, but be good soil. Keep soaking up the word of God into your heart. And I think actually the opposite is true. You know, in Psalm 1, it talks about how things can... Well, you probably don't know someone. I had to study Psalm 1 for a long time, I can tell you that. So I know someone. And it basically it says that things can get progressively worse for you or they can get progressively better. And it says they get progressively worse by listening to the counsel of the wicked. So it goes from this place, it sort of describes this person who is initially walking and they're listening to bad advice. And then they're standing in the way of sin and then they're sitting in the seat of mocking. So they've gone from walking and started to hear something bad and then they find themselves in a bad place and then they find themselves just sitting and mocking God and God's ways. But I think the opposite can also be true is that God can get us out of our seats. That righteousness can do the reverse. It can get you out of just being a mocker and, and sitting back and just saying, well, whatever, and get you walking, and then ultimately running for God. It can be a complete opposite process. Righteousness can do you good. Um, So that is the second thing. And the third thing, and really this is the heart of the verse, is about bearing fruit. So let's read it again. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. So, it's important we choose wisely. It's important we grow strong, taking God's nutrients into us. But ultimately, it's not just for ourselves. This verse is not just about you having a good life. It's that God wants you to be like a tree that reproduces itself and reproduces itself and reproduces itself so that many others come to know Christ. That is the heart of this verse. It says that that is what? a righteous person will be like. They will attract people to them. The people say, I want to live like that. That is the right way to live. I want to live that joyful way. Somebody who's got righteousness, peace and joy is an attractive person. If you, so many of us, we, we focus on the wrong things. We think, oh, I ought, to, I ought to do this or do that. You know, t- talking about reaching out to people. But until our lives are righteous... <laughs> Until we're good trees, people aren't interested. We can actually put people off. There's a really interesting verse. Uh, there's two, actually, in Proverbs. I'll read you to them. It says this, Proverbs 27, verse 14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Or seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and they will hate you. Now, these are not classic evangelistic verses. <laughs> are they? But actually, there's a lot of wisdom in it. You can be too loud or too much for some people. If your approach is, I'm just going to offload and tell you what you need to do. Actually, in Phil Moore's commentary on this verse, he talks about we need to adopt an approach of listening, of asking questions, of drawing people out. We're not... Uh, you know, sometimes someone said that... Uh, sometimes evangelism, we can be more like the robbers in the Good Samaritan than the Good Samaritan. <laughs> you know, it's like a, an aggressive, I'm going to get you. It doesn't work. There's, no, we should, the heart is totally different. 
So what is the picture, if you like? The picture is a tree. And the thing I want you to get more than anything is a tree grows outward, doesn't it? A tree grows outward. It's not, a, it's not just a, a stick. It spreads out to others. There is a direction to other people. And that is the kind of heart that God wants for us as a church, I think. He wants us to have a heart for others, a church that is for outsiders. So there's lots of verses in the Bible about wisdom with outsiders. Acting wisely, like those verses, in order to bring people to know Christ. So Colossians 4 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace. Conversation means they get to talk as well. It's a two-way thing. You're listening. I really enjoyed when we were doing the Alpha course because the Alpha course, the, the, one of the verses they really underline is this thing about treat people with gentleness and respect. People will not come to faith in a context of animosity or aggression. It just doesn't work. It's not the right soil. You need to treat people with gentleness and respect. And once you, they've heard you and you've heard them, they go, oh, okay, well, I'm open to listening now. It's, not a, it's really helpful advice in terms of our approach to outsiders. But the thing I want to get is, is we need to just keep reminding ourselves that is what God's heart is for us as a church. It is for outsiders. We are not for ourselves. This is not about just keeping everybody happy here. This is for Winchester. It's for reaching out, spreading out. And so you see David is like that. In David, there's this amazing thing that you know, things don't quite work out for David. And he ends up in this cave. And it talks about in this cave, people are just gathered to him. People gather to this guy. Um, and it's, it's not exactly the people you'd be looking for. It talks about those in distress, in debt, and bitter. <laughs> you think, really? That's not, you know, if we want to get people in, that's not the sort of people. <laughs> but that, those are the people, people came. In, with problems, that's what I guess I'm saying. People came with difficulties, but they, there was a heart-to-heart connection with David. They said, yeah, we trust this guy. This guy is for us and wants our best. And they soon, the 400 soon became 600. A big crowd gathered, and ultimately God led him into victory in the, in the nation. But my point is this, that people gathered to him. It was the same with Jesus. Jesus used to gather people. A tree gathers, that's what the picture is. Yeah, a tree is, oh yeah, I like a tree. That's something that attracts me. Who doesn't like a tree? I love a tree. Don't know why it is. You know, I used to draw trees when I was a kid. There's something wonderful about trees. They're great. But this is what God's saying to us. You can be like a tree to other people. People say, well, that, I like that. I like that quality of life. I like that righteousness. I like that integrity. I like that honest speech. I like that heart for other people. I like that compassion. I like that humility. That's attractive. And that is the picture. This tree, it draws, it gathers people. It doesn't put people off. It gathers people. And Jesus was like that. And the Pharisees, the religious guys, they had a problem because Jesus got all sorts of people around him. He gathered tax collectors and sinners and he got some criticism for it. He said, what are you doing hanging around with people like that? Shouldn't you be, you know, meeting with us, the people who know things? He said, no, I, I've not come for the righteous. I've come from the, 
the lost. That's my heart, is it's for others. I'm, spread, I'm the spreading tree for others. And he says this in defense. He says, wisdom is proved right by her children. And if you think about it, it's a very clever answer. Wisdom is proved right by her children. And what is he saying? Jesus is saying, look at what the fruit is. Look at what the fruit is. People were coming to God. People whose lives were broken were coming back to God. That was the fruit of Jesus' ministry. Ordinary people, people who needed God. And that can be you today. You, can, you might be here and you feel like, I don't know, I've even made a start. Well, God welcomes you here. You are welcome here. And many others will be welcome here to know God and come to know him. So, I think I've said all I want to say, really. You'll be relieved to hear that. But this, this is the heart of God for us. Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. He didn't feel like he ought to do it. It wasn't on a list of things to do. Oh, I must reach outsiders this week. (laughs) No, it was in him. The sap of God was in him. The sap of God was in him to reach out and be like a tree reaching out to others. And that's my encouragement to you is think about spending time with people outside the church who are not Christians, not believers. Have meals with them. That's what I'm going to be aiming to do this year, is have more meals with people who do not know God. Because that is how we spread. It's inviting people in to relationship with us. It's not preaching at them, it's loving them and trusting that God will bear fruit in his time.